podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Wrap in association with Redsbet. Uh, Redsbet, the Anfield Wrap's partners, uh, where if you uh, lose, uh, what happens is a cause that you nominate eventually gets to win. Uh, that is the way in which the whole thing works. If it is for you, uh, feel free to have a look and sign up, redsbet.com. And if it isn't, uh, don't worry about it in the slightest. Uh, we're pleased to partner with them as they are supported, orientators and a strong initiative, but always be gamble aware. We're talking through Liverpool's one all draw with West Ham United I have in front of me Adam Smithy and Salmon and Mike Nevin um, I often try to start this sort of conversation with, with how it feels Mike it was it was I think in the end almost difficult to separate game and context which is never really that good a thing in that you know there's there's. I think you can maybe look at Leicester and West Ham back to back now midweeks sort of evenings even though it was the Monday night game move from the weekend and you do sort of feel as though there's per- lots of perfectly reasonable ways in which you can argue a point is alright in both of those games with the way in which they play out but in the end a point in both of them probably isn't yeah I mean that just I suppose it just it's a sense of, of mini crisis um, the context being that the lead has been whittled away Um I suppose you know, if you want to look back, back a little bit further, going into the City game, we had an opportunity to make it 10 points clear, create a real cushion that would have stood us in good stead. All of a sudden, it's down to three. I, I wasn't... Uh, last week, I was completely sanguine about, about the, the, the Leicester results because in isolation, that can happen. Liverpool didn't play particularly well on the night. Um, but I was expecting a bit more of a response last night um, and we didn't get it. Albeit that you know there are there are so many mitigating circumstances with the with the injuries. Um, it wasn't a familiar looking Liverpool lineup. It's a very unfamiliar midfield, um, and we never really got to grips with the game. That said, could have won it towards the end, and that just sort of adds into that sense of frustration. But yeah, two points out of six feels feels a bit more a bit more pressured. Ian, it's it is. It's interesting. Mike uses the phrase "their response." Uh, if you're the manager, you're sitting here thinking, "Well, I'd, I'd, I'd quite like to play the play the team that has played together before to some degree, and feel as though it will it will elicit that response." But it is, it's a, it is a, it was a bit of a shock when the team sheet came out. It was, yeah. I mean, the last thing you expect. And I, I genuinely didn't see anything until the team sheet itself. So I hadn't seen any rumblings of injuries. So when I saw a midfield of Lalana, Fabino, and Kaita, I was kind of like, okay, that's interesting because after um, I think it was after the Leicester game where Lalana played for a while, I was kind of like, well, we're never going to see Lalana play again, and now all of a sudden he's one of our starting three in a match where we do need a response. I think on the whole, I'd have been okay with both results, and being rational, I'm okay with both results because I can rationalise both of them away. I can rationalise the Leicester game in terms of, well, there's two penalties and a red card that were not given, so you know, realistically we're at the mercy of the ref as well as our own performance. And if we get those red cards and that pen, then it changes that game round. And I can rationalise last night in terms of, well, it's one of those, isn't it? Sometimes you get these games where it just doesn't happen and we can make a West Ham team with enough of its own injuries and vital players missing look like absolute world beaters and I think I'd be rational about it if one was in October and one was in March but the two of them within five days of each other it's it's something we need to get out of immediately with the Bournemouth game needs to be a getting out of this um, it's, it's, it's one to me where Adam if you substitute on the 21st of December Friday the 21st of December as I think Ian's saying we go to Wolves we win 2-0 if we'd have drawn at Wolves um, and so, so more accurately if we'd have played this game that we played last night over at West Ham uh, on the 21st of December get the point and then you you have this Wolves win and this drops in la- la- last night and we're talking about that we're all absolutely buzzing we're all absolutely flying we feel fantastic about it it is the it's the back to back nature of these two which I think is is legitimate cause for mild concern I don't think it's cause for enormous concern but it's legitimate cause for mild concern yeah I think I think the biggest thing with all of these things is context isn't it and and we we got we've got these two back-to-back results in the context of the arguably the most competitive season there's been in the Premier League and I was I was looking just out of interest this this um, set of fixtures last season, the third of Feb last season, Man City drew one all away to Burnley. And it didn't matter because they, it put them nine points clear of United. So it, everyone was just able to go, well, it's just one of them, isn't it? We've had two one of them's 
but they've come at a time when it means that City can probably well will go level with us when they beat Everton and then go in front of us because I think they play before us at the weekend as well don't they uh, so I think um, they play on no we play before oh, them do we the play before them they, they oh, okay. so, so we're back in front of them sorry so, so but, but there's, even a, there's so another very comes, good scenario yeah. well true but uh, you know there does come a, a, a situation in which you know you're looking at it and going well goodness those points dropped feel absolutely gigantic because we, we, we've got somebody that is right be, three points behind us which is the closest I think from the very minimal research I did this morning it's the closest that any second place team has been to a to a team that's had 62 points that's, that's, that's had 60 points I think so it, you, you've got to take it in the context of all that that actually a draw away to West Ham isn't bad and judging by this season's results where Leicester have what beaten City beaten Tottenham drawn with Chelsea something like that in the, in the context of that that wasn't bad either, especially as with, with what Ian's saying about the, the refereeing results, not the uh, performance not going against us in that game. Coming one after the other at a time when it feels like we need to win basically all of our remaining games to have any chance of, of winning the title, it feels crushing. And that's a bit mad in and of itself, really. But but we just want the title so much. We want it so desperately. And it... And every and it feels like they were two very winnable games. I think that's the other frustrating thing. I think if if we'd have got that exactly as you say, Neil, if we'd have done that away to Wolves, who everybody's acknowledged this season is a brilliant team, or we'd have got a draw last night away to Tottenham, or something along those lines, everyone would go, yeah, fair enough, that's a decent result. That, but West Ham have lost the last three against quite quite poor opposition and all of that sort of thing. And then of course you find out after the match. When you're watching the match, you have no context of what's going on with the with the illness and injury. And then after the match, you find out that Milner travelled separately to the rest of the squad and blah blah blah. And rather than feeling like it makes you feel better because you think, oh yeah, well, every it was ravaged with injury, it feels like excuse making. And it's just a bit. It's just all the context of all of that just adds in, doesn't it? There's <clears throat> Mike. It's interesting when uh, Adam cites Manchester City dropping points at Burnley around this stage last season. Manchester City themselves dropped points at Newcastle um, not not too long ago now this season. You have a little look, and I just had a little look through there. Us last year around February, we get beaten the cup by West Brom, the Swans, and we had a bit of a bit of a run into that. We pick a relatively strong side. We drop points against Swansea, get beat. We drop points against Spurs around this stage of the season. Looked at United around this stage last season, side that finishes second and comes pretty close to ninety points. Drops points against Tottenham and, and Newcastle around this stage last season. It does seem to me to be a little bit of, and maybe you can talk yourself in and out of this stuff, and you've got to be careful. But it does seem to be a, a period of time where clubs who've got genuine interests in silverware can find it a little bit difficult I think because the injuries have either began to pile up over the hectic Christmas period or the flip side is everyone's got their eyes on when the Champions League games restart and are running yeah I mean it was interesting that you referenced the Christmas period because that was what I was what I was going to was going to say really is that Liverpool sort of breezed through that um, then of course they've got the game at City which is which is massive for them and they, and they lose and it's the other thing as well. I mean, I said this a few weeks ago that I, I expected the the title race almost to revert to something approaching normality uh, in the in the final third of the season because the pace at which City and Liverpool and to a degree that that, that Spurs have gone all season is, is completely unnatural, as uh, Adam alludes to. Um, and I, I don't, I just don't think it was sustainable. Um, now, obviously, in Liverpool's case, injuries have begun to hit hard, and we've managed to. We've managed to sort of play through them to a degree. We've always managed to be able to put out an eleven that looks recognisably strong. But game after game after game, when you when you're suffering, uh, and in particular losing Wijnaldum and Henderson, I mean that's a, that's a massive blow. In losing terms. Trent and Gomez at the same Gomez time at, at, yeah. at the back, and, um, and then Gomez and Lovren at the same time. But I think it's basically the entire right hand side of your team. Yes, yeah. and I think I mean, Liverpool will always play the majority of the games of their games on the front foot. They'll they'll enjoy sixty to seventy percent of possession. So injuries are more keenly felt further up the pitch. Now it would be cataclysmic should one of the the front three become injured. But nonetheless, in terms of the momentum of the side, the tempo of the side, and the engine room, if you like, if you want to use an old phrase, then. Wijnaldum all season has been one of Liverpool's strongest performers and they they really sort of tick around the way that he sort of recycles possession, keeps um, ho- keeps hold of the ball, de- defends defends the ball when in possession and 
without him and also the sort of durability of Henderson and his ability to switch play then we don't have the same rhythm and I think just the loss of those two in particular last night is uh, is something that you know, any side well, would find just, hard to withstand just to come back to you on that you mentioned the you know when you see Fabinho Keita and Lallana there is there is something that's straightforward isn't there as firstly they're not, they're not as physically imposing as Wijnaldum and Henderson but I think there's another thing as well which is that they're not they've literally never played together before I mean I was trying to I, was, I did the review show before and I was trying to sort of work out whilst whilst going through it you know these these lads have, have not played competitive football on the same side and that I I would venture Mike that is something that you don't want to be having to pick um, against the side who are 7th or 8th 7th or 8th best team in the division away from home on a Monday night you know you can maybe get away with that if you've got I feel comfortable getting away with that if you've got a Huddersfield or a Burnley coming to Anfield and people can find their way it's just not ideal No, it's, I mean it's a tough it's a tough fixture um, I think we've all been sort of lulled into a false sense of, secure, sense of security around away fixtures all season because Liverpool coped with them so well for so long and you, you think about wins at, at, at Watford uh, at Burnley at Leicester at Wolves um, all against these sort of middle ranking sides who for, for the early part of the season we began to dismiss as fodder um, some of those sides are actually coming into their own now um, so it wasn't an easy fixture and again just to sort of restress that point in isolation a draw at West Ham is not it's not a terrible result by any means it's just it's just the, the pressure cooker situation of holding onto a lead and I think in some ways I mean just looking at it from a personal point of view I actually feel more stressed about the situation now that we're in front um, being you know the, the pursued as opposed to the pursuer I think that brings with it a different kind of strain um, and it's something Liverpool are going to have to cope with um, for as long as they remain in front I was actually quite enjoying being the um, pursued rather than the pursuer apart from the reaction of a section of our fan base whose heads have fallen off at the match and on Twitter um, who don't seem to have the bottle for their running at all um, aren't willing to embrace the fact that there is a challenge against us I think one thing you've got to look at from last night is the comments Jürgen made afterwards that after training on what day we on after training on Sunday they had to change the team three times so it wasn't making three changes to the team it was changing the team three times so I think it was obviously a long way from the formation and the pattern of play that he'd intended Milner didn't train in that pattern of play at all so we're instantly we're weaker all over the place so while West Ham may have a major amount of injuries themselves I believe it's nine first teamers missing at the moment yeah they're, 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 they're missing the main one the, the, the two that were missing most, most prominently are the lead centre half uh, Balbuena yeah, and Alan Altovic they were the two that they, they will have suffered the loss of the most but they've had 11 lads who have at least trained together for a couple of days whereas ours haven't and it, it does look like Dubai has just been a chance for people to catch a virus of some kind it, it's not a good advertisement for the Dubai tourist board it's, it's not really at the minute um I think you know with that talk of sort of changing the team repeatedly, Adam. Um, you know, I think that that again sort of feeds into his selection in that you know he feels as though he, he really wants to get Milner on the pitch. I think the idea that he has to pick Keita, I think, makes him go with Lallana ahead of Shakiri. I wonder if, and maybe the nature of the game, possibly not. But you know, he's 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 used Rafa Camacho, and I wonder whether or not at some sort of point he may he may, and it might be this weekend against Bournemouth, he might go with him at right back and have a try to get a more more physical presence, more attacking presence, more quicker, uh, more dynamic there. Although it's worth always restating Milner sets up the goal, um, albeit one that was offside. But I think the other thing, the thing that may concern him is and it may be because things aren't ticking behind it may be because things aren't quite right but Liverpool do have their first choice from three on and they don't create a ton of chances and I'd only really say Sadio Mane arguably both this game and the game against Leicester you're able to say plays is, 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 is at least seven out of ten game I thought for me now it was probably his worst performance of the season I, I mean certainly in the second half he couldn't he couldn't put a pass to anybody uh, and I, I think uh, it might have been Phil Blundell saying it on the uh, the post-match show that it was it, it was almost like he was sort of hitting it to where somebody will probably be and hoping that they're there like it was very very lackadaisical from him really um, uh, and I, I think the problem is, I think that that the manager has maybe got a bit more faith in some players than than I have. For example, I think Lalana is a big one on that. I, I I wouldn't mind if if I never saw Lalana again. To be totally totally honest with you, and I know he sets up Milner 
for that, but but he didn't do a lot else. And uh, he, but the manager really likes him. And we, ha- you know, there are certain things that that we have to embrace as reality in the in the situation. And I think, you know, the, the, all of the the people, you know, annoyed that we that we let Klein go away on loan, for example, are ignoring the fact that the manager clearly didn't really like him, and he wasn't really going to play him, whether even if he was there. So we might all disagree with that, and I might disagree with him picking Alana, for example. But but the manager likes him, and the manager rates these lads, and he's going to pick them in these games, isn't he? So. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know really. I, th- I mean, and you know, he, he he doesn't really have any other option other than to play Shakiri. And mm. I, I think Shakiri, he could do Camacho right back and Milner midfield. He could do, but I, I, I mean, I think and people are sort of going on about Camacho you've got to remember that he's completely inexperienced and he's 19 uh, and he's 19 and do, so you, do you want to throw him in and say Felipe Anderson murders him for 60 yeah, minutes I mean, and then you've got to try and, and rebuild his looking confidence at the, looking at that game last night if you're asking um, albeit that Milner's unwell um, I think 99% of people would say you're up for, for Milner because you're just taking the safe and sensible option um, so throw in a, a, a sort of an untried relatively untried teenager at that stage of a title race where you've got all away, those away at West Ham at West Ham um, you know amid all the strain and the pressure of it it's a big caller um, and the, the other decision to sort of leave Shakiri on the bench I mean Shakiri's probably had most of his best impact coming off the bench um, he is that type of player and I think it's a shame really that over the last five or six games he, he seems to have struggled a little bit his passing seems to have gone awry over hitting balls he's not he doesn't have the same yeah he doesn't have the same sort of buzz and and movements around the penalty area I don't know whether it's just a a mini crisis of confidence on on his part Um, but obviously the manager sees fit to play Lallana he sees him in training Um, he's he's a long term favourite of Klopp Mm. I think that's the other thing to remember Um, and to, to be fair I actually didn't think he did too badly last night and I think it was a sort of pre-arranged thing for him to come off after sort of 68 minutes. Um, but I thought, I thought, in general, given that we've we're probably all at certain points this season sort of completely written him off. I thought he, I thought he did enough to suggest that he can still be of use. But whether you want him to be starting with him is another matter. Yeah, I'd, I'd prefer not to be signed with him. You've got to bear in mind at all times that he was basically Klopp's first lieutenant on the pitch, wasn't he? He was the man who started the press. He was the man who would take the instructions to pass on to the team. Klopp trusted him from day one to do the job they wanted to. And he led the line and he kept possession. The Adam Lallana that we have now is basically so many injuries have set him back that he'll probably never be the player he was three years ago. But you can see what he can still do because it's it's his feet that so bedazzle the linesman that he's looking completely the wrong way to see whether the ball's still on the pitch <laughs> when he plays it through to a lad who's three yards off fi- offside. So if you can contribute like that, I'll have it. He's, I think he's there as an option in possibly smaller games. He's, you know, he's not going to be an impact sub unless you want somebody who's going to keep the ball up the top end of the pitch when we're already ahead. You can't see him being a game changer anymore. But I'm with you. I, I think he played quite well last night. I don't think he was a problem. I don't think he was a, a passenger in any way. Once you go into the second half, he faded. But you say once you get into the second half, most of them fade apart from Keita. Uh, Ian, the first half, we, we tried to look a little bit at 0 0. We make it 1 0. Again, I think that one of the, and I'll say it again, you're away from home, they're a good side. So you've got to bear that in mind. If, if there's a patch of play. I think I'm just. I'm. I'm. I must put this in the right order. I think, for instance, I think Liverpool managed the game pretty well second half. I think that they they they, they closed the door. Uh, I think West Ham tire. Liverpool closed the door and ensured that listen, we're not going not nothing daft's going to happen here. And whilst there's a bit of them trying to get Anderson in, and you understand why, yeah. Liverpool do a good job. I think broadly of of of, of at least ensuring that bad things were going to cease to happen in their own half. Although there weren't many good things. Well, the, the way we're going to that, but what? If there's a bit of game management where you are looking at it thinking, and maybe this is a Henderson thing, maybe this is a Wijnaldum thing, they really should be, I think, on the front foot at 1-0. I think this is a side of Liverpool in the last four times they played them, they put 16 goals past them. This is all West Ham's worst fee is we played really well and we've gone, it's not the same as Leicester where we were on top and, it, and, and we score. I think it's one where if, if you are West Ham, you're thinking, we've done really well. They've gone one 0 up, and I think that that's where, if you you know, in hindsight, I think that's where Liverpool should have absolutely put the hammer down. I think if you're West Ham, you're, you're thinking we've done really well, and these spawny bastards have yeah. gone one 0 up with an offside goal. That is the point where you should be in the heads. They should be thinking it's unfair. They should be thinking everything's gone against them. Although you know we do come up with seventy three percent possession and more shots on target than they manage, albeit those shots being a little bit soft. Uh, I'm not sure what we count Lallana's as whether that was a shot or a failed pass. Now. Um, 
but at that point we should be putting we should be pushing we should be looking for the second goal because that point you were sitting there thinking we do need the second goal we were back to that point where you're thinking we need the second goal to be sure of this because we didn't look like we were going to survive on a 1-0 I think it might it's, it, what you see in that first half is you see um, tempo and the lack of tempo and what tempo actually is and what tempo actually means I think that's where you for me, there was there was there was times where you'd had a Henderson and Wijnaldum shaped hole in there when West Ham had the ball. But I actually think it's in terms of saying, right, this is the way that the next ten minutes now we saw that I think when we went away at Wolves, where we weren't great to start with, but when we decided the next ten minutes is played on our terms, our terms, I think you see the Henderson step up and see that you've been seeing Wijnaldum do it all season. That's where I think that's where we la- we really miss them. I think in the period after we go one 0 yeah, and it's I mean it's interesting that you say sort of what what you lack on the ball because on the face of it, Kaita and Lolana are players who can run and carry and carry the ball. And I thought Kaita did it in in sort of fits and starts last night. It was a bit frustrating. Lolana, albeit that he you know he, I still think playing within himself, not protecting himself from injury, but not just not quite at full pelt. Um, but. You get you get momentum and tempo through a different style of play. I mean, it doesn't have to be players running at the ball. That's not the way. That's not the way Liverpool have played this season. Um, other than maybe in the final third with the front three, um, when Alden and Henderson just zip it about a bit quicker, um, they release it into the into the front three. They get on the ball more. And what you noticed last night is that Salah wasn't in the game first half. Firmino was was well, it wasn't in the game all the way through. Only Mane really sort of had any any real surges. So there just wasn't enough of Liverpool getting getting ball into the final third for me. And I think that was just the result of the the players that uh, that were in the side. Um, and Manny was basically coming in to play as number 10 because he was coming yeah. in deep so when he was at his best in the first half he was coming in deep to take the ball I think that's the point where you re- realise exactly how effective Henson's crossfield diagonals can be because he will put in space he will switch the play last night obviously Fabino tried a few times but if you've got Fabino alongside Henderson then you've got more chance of that happening from one or the other With, if you're pinning all your hopes on Fabino you're limiting yourself straight away and obviously not deliberately limiting yourself just the circumstances but Henderson will make a hell of a difference in that position it's also about ball retention as well I mean Liverpool were not only sort of sloppy with the passing last night I think pretty much all through the side but um, Kaiser's style of, of running with the ball there's there's a greater there's a greater risk really of, of losing possession there. I mean he's the type of player he, he wants to try and make things happen to an extent he managed to do that on the, on a few occasions but equally, especially in the second half second half especially um, but he does give the ball away at times and when you begin to start losing possession, then the overall feeling of superiority quickly fades away. Um, just in terms of us not kicking on after the first goal, I mean, it was only five minutes really that that we had before West Ham equalised. So I'm not sure Fair, that yeah. that was I'm not sure that that was something um, by design. I don't think we necessarily sat off. I just think we conceded at the wrong time, um, and we, I suppose we were fortunate really before the break not to not to concede another one. Um, there's now. 25 games this was the 25th there was 24 before it Adam 24 league games where opposition managers could look at how Liverpool set up for set pieces and I think that we've seen an increase in the last recently I mean I think I think you can see when we go to Watford that Watford have done a bit of work on it but I think you can see that the they'd had a good long look at that a good long think about that and had two three four strategies to 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 counter what, what let's be Let's have it right. You know what's been a really, really good defensive record from set pieces, and they get the reward. Yeah, I think it's something Sean Rogers has been talking about a lot in the review, hasn't it? That that eventually that's going to start to cause problems if we keep playing in the same way, and and hopefully that's a little bit of a wake up call now for the managers to try something different. You know, move, change it round a little bit. Um, I think. Look, I think it's really easy to look at a goal and say you know what a brilliantly worked free kick and it was a brilliantly worked free kick um sorry what i mean is i think it's easy sometimes to look and be critical rather than say what a brilliantly worked free kick and it was a brilliantly worked free kick that they've obviously spent time looking at and and doing something about i think that the interesting thing is that there's the little check from noble on on cater isn't there that stops him from being able to 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 run on and that is the sort of thing where in another way, you know, with another referee or another set of assistants, you maybe see a free kick given there, like because he's a little, there's a little trip or a little push or whatever. I don't think it is one, but there's another one. You know, there is a referee, yeah. and it, it is just one of them where where the Liverpool line will probably say, well, you know, we we held our line, we did exactly what we're supposed to do, and one of our lads was was tripped up. You know, what what you can't mitigate for that if you like, but 
I, I think the the problem is that now, as you say, opposition managers are going to be looking at it and thinking about it, and and we need to be careful now not to give away those sorts of chances because it's been the last two games, hasn't it, or two two or three games, I think, where where those sorts of free kicks have, have happened and we haven't had a counter for it. I mean, it's, a, it's it's a narrow line as well, isn't it? It doesn't it doesn't mm, spread yeah. out particularly wide. It seems to be very very sort of concentrated in and around the uh, the D um, and slightly beyond that. Um, I think. If you if you want to be critical, and, and I agree with Adam, you know it, it is a, it's a well worked free kick. It's an excellent piece of play. It's well it's well researched, if you like. But it's possibly the fact that whilst it's a high line at a free kick, it doesn't drop. Um, there is an opportunity to set the high line. That creates a situation where the players aren't on top of your goalkeeper. Um, but you have the opportunity just in the, in the in the lead up to the kick being taken, just to drop a few a couple of yards, and that gives you potentially someone who can get back and foil uh, Antonio in that situation. That would be my only criticism. But it's you, you know you picking parts and everything there. My only criticism of it would be that the goalie didn't move. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not criticised Dalson at any point. I, th- I think he's been basically beyond criticism all yeah. season. But he doesn't even move, and it's not like it's not. It's so quick he has no chance to see it. He's just completely wrong-footed and, and doesn't go for it at all. I think in terms of the the lad that blocks Kaiser off, if one of our lads does that against Martial for United, I think it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Absolutely, yeah. But, but equally, if we got a free kick against us, you'd go, well, like, you know, he's he's tri- he's he's barged into him. It's one of those where I don't think it is one. If you see, no, it's I mean. within the letters but of the law. It, just it, yeah, isn't it's it? the it's the inverted commas yeah. you see them given, and I think the 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 the, the defence would maybe if you were sat down talking to them, they would go, well, well, we did exactly what we were supposed to do, and one of the lads was tripped up. But there is there is something Adam, and then there's the rice header, and you know he's. Uh, it's a free header it's eight yards out and my thing is and I'm happy to say fair play to them they've worked it really really well if you've got to have a little think about things if you're effectively conceding one goal and should arguably concede two mm. if that then happens you know because I mean Rice should score we're lucky that he doesn't he, I mean he probably can't believe the time he's got when he watches the video back he'll probably be amazed the space he ends up in yeah uh, that's true absolutely I, I think Again, it comes back to that thing of mitigating circumstances, doesn't it? And I, I think we've got a bit of a problem at the minute in so much as we've got a makeshift back four. And of that makeshift back four, I don't think Van Dijk's playing particularly well at the moment. I thought he was quite poor against Leicester. I thought it was maybe one of his, his worst games for us, actually, against Leicester. Um, Alisson is 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 doing a sa- the same sort of thing. He seems to have thrown in a few little wobblers recently in terms of his distribution and, and all the that. Head sort of thing. The, the, the head last night. The head is really exactly. assured, apart yeah. from the actual pulling off the the technique. The head yes, of the yeah, yeah. Where, where, it, where, it, where we could have been in, yeah. in real trouble. There's been a cut. So so you've got the two of them maybe that that have been the the absolute linchpins of this defence, not playing particularly brilliantly just at the moment. Robinson's uh, Robertson, Robertson seems to be going through his you know worst spell uh, since he signed for the club and then you've got Milner who isn't a right back playing at right back also been ill and you know and, all, and has just come back from a, a suspension because he couldn't get anywhere near the pace of Zahar in, in, in the Palace game so it, it, it's one of them it, the frustrating thing is that it all seems to be happening at the same time and it's not excuses because at the end of the day we've got games to win and you know when people have been saying about Cater you know oh yeah but he's been playing on the left okay but other players have been playing out of position they've been doing a job and he hasn't been doing a job out on the left and we've got games to win right now so yes there are mitigating circumstances but but that doesn't mean that you can you can just shrug your shoulders and go oh well we're going to concede some goals then aren't we yeah I mean the, the, the two the two instances in terms of the goal and the, the Rice uh, header I think they're two entirely separate things I mean, the, 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 the separate moves one's in the air one's on the floor for the one where uh, Rice gets the free header, I, I, I just don't. I, we're switched. We're a little bit switched off, um, and I think I agree with you. I think Van Dijk has probably just put together two of his, his less good performances. It feels like sacrilege, sacrilege mm. to criticism to, to criticise him, but um, I think a couple of times there was there was actually in the second half there was another one uh, that was nodded wide by Diop, I think, yep. where Van Dijk didn't actually win the header. Um, was was ball watching actually, and. Just in terms of the yeah, but going back to the the right header, it's just a little bit of aggression needed, really. To you know, if, if players are going to block you off, you've got to you've got to stand firm and and you know to resist that physicality. And I, I don't think Liverpool did that particularly well last night. Um, we've we've all become very caught up in our defensive solidity all season, and not you know not without reason. But that doesn't mean that some nights. I think sometimes as well. I mean, f- for me, without wishing to be overly critical of Matip, I think. 
he's a, he's just a slightly destabilising presence in the back four because I think he's 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 the the most timid of the of the three or four centre backs that we've got. I don't necessarily think that impacts on Van Dijk, but it's um, it doesn't it, help. It, though, it, does it, it? it doesn't help. Um, I think if you ask Van Dijk who he wants to play centre half with, Lovren. I think he'd have. Well, I think there'd be a list, and I think that it'd be Lovren or Gomez first and second, and it wouldn't even surprise me if it was Fabinho third. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. You know, I I get the impression that there's times where, you, and maybe just a body language thing on the pitch, but where Van Dijk's like, hang on, what, what what's going on here now? Yeah. And he goes on those mazy runs. He's done it the yeah. last two games. He's gone, and that's fine. If you see the you see the the gap opening up, fair enough, go for it. But his final ball's been dreadful on each of them and left us exposed. And I think we we've been fortunate not to not to have conceded on the break twice after Matip's gone wandering up the pitch and then just basically passed it straight to one of their players. Can I be overly critical of Matip at that point? <laughs> I never want to see him move forward again. Mm. I found it quite amusing the first few times he did. It's like, hey, great bit of madness going on. Yeah. And then he gets 10 yards away from his starting position and instantly you can see him trying to figure out what he's supposed to do yeah. next. He doesn't, he's got no purpose. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know where the ball's going, so he keeps going. Then he's thinking about where she go next, and he keeps going, and he keeps going, and then losing the penalty area, by which time he hasn't got the speed to recover. Yeah. He's an absolute liability when he does that, and he, he needs to stop immediately. And I think that, that, that for me, is the one big problem with, uh, with the Liverpool defences. A, a lot of people have said, you know, oh, Matip's all right for a fourth choice defender. That's you know, sort of one of the lines that that people say, and that that is that is true in so much as if he was a fourth choice defender. But with this defence, with Lovren, who's you know always has little niggles and injuries as the season goes on, with with Gomez, who, who's very young and whose body's been under put, been put under a lot of pressure after after a you know career threatening injury early on in his career, lest we forget. Matip was, and the fact that he's second choice right back, Gomez. Matip was never, he's not a fourth choice defender. He's just, he's just not, he was always going to be used than another team's fourth choice defender might be. And I don't think he's good enough. And my, issue, my issue is actually more that I think he's more than good enough to be a starting defender for a side that's got, that wants to finish somewhere between, let's say, fourth and eighth. But whether or not he's the makeup of what you actually want in a fourth choice defender mm-hmm. that what you want in a fourth choice defender is like what you want in a sub goalie in a sense you want someone you know is going to catch everything he should yeah basically and and that and and that 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 helps you're not looking for bells and whistles someone who can catch everything he should and my 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 sort of what's been frustrating me about Matip in these last few games and I think you can go all the way back to Palace Mike is that I think he's you know as I say if he was set, if he was Crystal Palace's first choice centre half playing every week leading that defence being the, the the dominant figure of that defence you could well imagine them being a you know be, being a tidy side they've got a good good centre half partnership anyway Palace but you take my point that that, that feels like more is lot in life than the idea of, of being number four on this list yeah, I mean, I think it's down to the, the the style of player he is. I mean, you you could say that he looks he looks elegant on the ball, and you know, that would take Ian's point. I mean, not the he, first he, ten he, yards. He he, <laughs> he he has the capability to come out of defence. Some of his passing out of defence is good, but he's not that sort of rumbustious, solid. You know, sort of almost old old fashioned centre half that might you might be talking about there, where you just do the rudimentary things, you get rid when you can. Um, he's not and again sort of lacks that sort of aggression that you might associate with that type of player I think that's where you know if Liverpool had a, a more physical person I mean Lovren really is is that type of he is that type Very of player much so. Um, so he's a bit you know he's a big miss at the moment and it's an eternal frustration that he seems to pick up you know sort of a myriad of of, of injuries and ailments and ailments <laughs> um, and he's you know, more all, ailments than any other pl- any other player ever could come across I think. yeah and some I, Calpol, that I, I think <laughs> he does doesn't he um, sickly child but he he's and the, the, the world's the, biggest sickly the, child. The worry is now that is that because he's been sort of absent um, on and off over the last you know sort of month or so, is that you wonder whether the, the sort of the improved Lovren that we saw sort of in and around Christmas, whether it takes him a while to get back to that level of performance, whether he loses rhythm, whether he, he he's lost a little bit of match fit, fitness as well. So I think that centre half problem, given that Gomez is pretty much long term now, I think. Um, reading between the lines there it, it, yeah, that's going to be a big issue for us for the rest of the season and maybe even with an eye on next season I'm sort of of the view I genuinely and it's, it's terrible because it does always feel like you're talking about the, what, talking about the footballers you've just seen if I was recruiting for Liverpool this summer I'd be all over Wan Bissaka and Rice and I'd be saying to Declan Rice you're a centre-half for this this club mate mm. uh, I wouldn't be messing about and then you know, I'd have Lovren as fourth choice centre-half 
go compete with Gomez and then Juan Basaka to do bits as well uh, and go from there. But anyway, that's an aside. Uh, let just letting you know, listeners, who I'm going to be banging on about come June onwards. The lads I've watched recently. Um, there is in the in the second half. I think they've gone, Ian. To be honest with you, West Ham. I think that from about 55. They've got that one out ball, which is Felipe Anderson, that they keep trying to... They, I mean, it was unbelievable in the ground. He had like 50 yards of space uh, because he just stood on the touchline, made the pitch absolutely huge. So you don't get that from the TV, you no. missed that. You probably, at times, you might have thought, why West Ham only playing with 10? <laughs> because he was so... But it was the idea of, right, whenever we get it out, whenever whenever we are on the pitch, he'll be available in that little... in the, Well, that enormous pocket of space. So all the goal kicks were going down the other side. Mm. A little bit of football and then look to release him um, and then look to play from there and then have him ideally running at Milner in space and Liverpool players having to work over but apart from that and this is the where the frustration I think comes in is the West Ham side we were playing in the first half was no, was the one in the second half was nowhere near as good as the first half West Ham side and that's why you do come away from the game feeling like God, you, you can do the a points alright stuff as much as you want but there was a chance here for all three yeah the, the second half feels like the West Ham you kind of expected feels like the West Ham that would have come to Anfield to play like that. It, it feels like they've decided to sit at that point and they are just going to defend what they've got, which, you know, at home, you, you can completely understand. They're in a good position. A point's, a point's great for them, a point's better for them than it is for us. So they're, they're creating nothing at that point, realistically. They're not threatening us. Allison has, he has that save in the first half, doesn't he? Um, down to his right that he deals with. But he's not actually challenged at any point in the second half. Our back four isn't really challenged. Milner isn't as exposed as you would expect him to be um, certainly not in the way that Zahar exposed him uh, at Anfield but that that then frustrates more because at that point it's, you know, you're looking at going we've got the players with the technique to get through their back line we should be able to do this and as we were talking before about Keita um, it looks like one of Keita's big things is going to be trying to run through as many men as possible and when it comes off it's going to be fantastic when it comes off, he's going to score the greatest goal we've ever seen. <laughs> uh, at which point, he'll probably just leave the pitch, sub himself, and never play football again because he'll have achieved it. Uh, but when it doesn't come off, it's it's not working. So with him charging through, uh, with Lalana still on the pitch until about the 60th, 68th minute, with Shakiri, you would expect us to be able to unpick that lock at the point where we moved um, moved Salah out to the right again, which I think we need to do. We need to have Salah out to the right and Firmino down the middle as our starting point at that point you think well there are a couple of moments there where Mo nearly gets in there's, there's that curled shot where he uses the man's disguise and you can see that he's doing the stuff he was doing two seasons ago and all the days some of that stuff comes off and yesterday I think it was just a day when it wasn't going to come off because I think we had 10 men who were out of form at the same time uh, definitely an element to that Adam but there wasn't you know the one thing you'd say again and you'd said after the Leicester game Liverpool don't work Schmeichel enough they don't work Fabianski enough I think Fabianski actually has a really good game proactive goalkeeping there's some stuff he comes for when some of the keepers might choose not to or maybe we play the ball a little bit too close to him it was right in front of me so I think he is, he's busy in that regard he's busy fielding more than saving if you see what I mean yes I, I also think though that the the mish the the sort of misshapen midfield for want of a better phrase doesn't help the front three because they, they don't they spend most of the match not knowing where the pass is going to come from who's going to pass Kater holding on to it as as Ian says you know for, for probably longer than he needs to so so that it just naturally makes it a bit disjointed because they never know when the ball's going to, and then when they get it they're like oh oh right now we do it and but then it's not there and 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 so that I think combined with, with, with West Ham you know defending well and, and defending with 10 men behind the ball so there's not a lot of space so you, it's not as easy to unpick the lock when there's no fluidity to, to, to what you're doing I think and I, I also think that the the, the, the business of um, uh, Mane kind of seemed to put everything into the first hour really didn't he and then he then he kind of fell off a little bit in the last half an hour um, because I think he was the as you said earlier the best and the brightest of that front three so it's uh, it, it, yeah it, 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 if we'd have beaten Leicester I wonder whether the manager would have felt a little bit more freedom to be a bit more experimental. Talking about Camacho before for example I wonder whether because if, if, if you if you beat Leicester you can 
lose instead of draw with West Ham and you've still got more points than we've got at the moment if you see what I mean yeah um, and so I wonder whether in that situation the manager might have said you know let's let's not go for the safe option of Milner let's go for the more exciting threat of Camacho down the right and see what happens because if they get in down the right repeatedly for the first hour well, I can put Milner in there but there, there isn't that at the moment that because of what's going on and because of the lack of fitness and and, and the, the illness seemingly going through the camp um there just isn't that ability to be a little bit more free and a little bit more experimental and that and the front three felt very um very stayed last night it it just didn't feel like it was the like the exciting front three we've seen the rest of the season i think there's a thing to be said on formation as well because we we look better as a team when we go to the two when we go to the 4231 in what well, the last 15 minutes suddenly weird dichotomy Kaita manages to get further up the pitch as a holding midfielder than he does as an attacking <laughs> midfielder and the whole game moves further up the pitch that could be West Ham tiring and moving back and just putting everything with the 10 men right on the 18 yard line but we are we're making more progress so possibly if we'd moved to that earlier possibly Shakiri that bit earlier might have made a difference it's I think again it's not so much fine margins this time but timing on making decisions. There's, you mentioned you mentioned security there. The one I think actually does make a difference is Origi, and it's a shame in the end, Mike. I think he comes on. I think he's bright. I think he's involved. I think he's disruptive. I think that that's a thing, and that's fine. By the way, that's not to act as though he's being daft. I think he's gone on. He plays a bit of a funny position, and I think. But I think he's doing what his manager wants him to do. In that he's 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 rattling West Ham. He's pressing them. He's running past them. He's making them turn round. It's just a shame that he doesn't have to, doesn't get the moment at the end because it would have it would have capped what we would now be sitting around talking about as a fantastic substitute appearance. Yeah, I mean, I I thought he he did his usual thing when I mean, he he sort of runs into the corners, he stretches the play, it gives you a little bit of an outlet. Um, he he's got a decent sort of physical physicality about him, um, and yeah, I mean, it's a great chance at the end. Just doesn't quite connect with it. I mean, on another day, sometimes that might be the type of shot that actually flummoxes a keeper. Um, but yeah I mean it's but at, at the same time I mean again just looking at the squad as a whole and looking at Liverpool's striking options were it not for the goal against Everton I think we might be looking at Origi as as a, as a slightly slightly less of a proposition for us um, we'd be looking at him as having gone yeah well very much so Um, and it it does point to the fact that when one one or more of the front three front three is is sort of off colour and obviously for me you know I just couldn't seem to do anything right last night then the options off the bench are hugely limited Um, and you'd like to think that Liverpool could have something somebody with a little bit more well a few more goals behind them in the last in the last 12 to 18 months um, and yeah, I think he did. He did okay, um, but we don't want to, you know, we don't want to be relying on on, on Origi really to, to to get your goals that win games. And, you know, I think that's just that's just an unfortunate circumstance of where we are, sort of squad wise in the in the attacking positions. I think the big difference Origi makes last night is the fact that we've got somebody who's large and physical on the pitch, because up until that point, it was notable how much bigger West Ham were than us, especially with the way you know we lose Genie, we lose Henderson. And we basically replaced two lads who ran about six foot with two lads who are about five foot seven. And straight away, the physicality in midfield's gone. So I think Origi makes that difference because he is stretching the play because he can hold the ball because he's got a bit of muscle to him as well as a bit of height. Um, quick little thing, looking at the the table then itself, where we find ourselves. Uh, it is two dropped. Um, it's three clear, Adam. Um I think let's be honest we all have to expect City to beat Everton on Wednesday the reason why is because Everton at the minute you know forget all the other stuff all the other things that anyone might want to say Everton at the minute are in are in a mess uh, they're not playing good stuff at all um, it would be genuinely surprising you know change the kits uh, don't play it at the old lady you know you put it wherever you want pretend it's a neutral game I'd, yeah, looking at the way Everton have literally performed let alone before you even get into the results across the last 10 games it, they'd be going some to be able to stop this Manchester City side currently but the flip side of that is well Newcastle recently just took something off Manchester City so it's not like the City side is impossible but it's difficult to see how they do it but they presumably win and then we find ourselves back second in the table yeah um, and one you know 
it's it's that old adage, isn't it? Of points on the board are better than games in hand because we'll have a game in hand. But I think somebody said on the post show that that the post might show that that game in hand is United away. It is United away. So it's not but even. We've still, like but it's but a we've fun also got the point in hand. To be fair, we've got the points on the board though as well because they just go level on points. Yeah. So well, uh, yes, true, but. But as you say, level on points put us going second, yeah. and we've played this game where they have a better goal difference than us before, and it didn't work out as fun last time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and and I think look, I think Everton are, are, are all over the show, and I, I mean, I actually I, I said at the start of the season that I fancied them to get relegated because of what dire straits they're in behind the scenes at the club, which I think is, is just being dismissed by too many of their fans, really. Um, because they, they don't really want to acknowledge it, but I, I think the club's in, in real trouble, um, and I, I, I think that it, it wouldn't have taken. I think if they'd have lost to Huddersfield, for example, instead of beating them, I think it would be a very, very interesting last thirteen games for them because you, you just don't really see where they're picking up any any wins um, because they are all over the show. On the one hand, now would be a really, really, really nice time for them to kick into gear and find a little bit of something under Marco Silva. On the other hand, we go there soon, and so if they're still all miserable and unhappy when we're there, then that'd be much nicer. Um, but yeah, I, the, the the table's a funny one, isn't it? Because we're all talking about we have talked throughout the season about you know well once the Champions League kicks back in seriously. And yes, City have got a significantly easier the game than us, or two games than us in terms of the opposition, but they won't have at the next stage, and they start to need to take that seriously. And they'll also then have an eye on the prize of the FA Cup. They will have, they will start to get distracted, and it, and and the thing is, you would have expected when they lost to it was Leicester first, wasn't it? In the, when they did the Leicester Palace, was it Leicester Palace first? Palace first. So when they lost to Palace, you'd have thought, oh, well, they're really going to sort themselves out now and kick on and then they lost to Leicester and then they lose to Leicester and go well that'll be the last game they'll lose this season because Pep will get them sorted and then they lose to Newcastle so it, it's not like they've they've suddenly City have suddenly after having a bad result got themselves together and gone no more of that we're not letting that go again so so you can see there are, there are more twists and turns left in this title race I think the big question comes down to who gets the, the the run of the ball a little bit more often in the games? I think it, it might be as simple as that. Mike, there's you said at the start when we very much started this conversation, we were saying two from six, two from yeah. six, and it's frustrating. Two from six. It's worth saying that Liverpool arguably haven't played well since Brighton away. But if they, you know, Brighton away, Palace at home, Leicester home, um, West Ham away, Bournemouth home. Um, if we beat Bournemouth, it's eleven and fifteen, and that could that you know we might look back on that as the blip. That this might be right now Liverpool's <coughs> Liverpool playing the worst football that they're going to play over the course of this season. Look back to last season and see how the side strengthens itself through second half of February into all of March and April. And I think that you know Klopp is a man who, who has his methods and goes about things a certain way. This you know as blips go, you can say two points and six. But if they do beat Bournemouth and Bournemouth is obviously a, a hugely significant and it won't be easy. But if they do beat Bournemouth, it's eleven and fifteen. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's only it, it's only four points dropped. I mean, they feel like a, a critical four points at the moment. I mean, I just, I mean, I just think that. I mean, I agree with Adam. Really, I think they'll be. You, you say they'll be twists and turns. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they'll be more than people think um, because. It is a pressured situation. It's a pressured situation for both sides. The narrative is that Liverpool are feeling the pressure, but it's it's less than a week since City went and lost a game that no one would have, 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 have credibly argued that they would. Um, I'm looking at that Everton fixture slightly different for them in the sense that, yeah, there's the, there's the whole idea about Everton supposedly you know sort of not wanting to beat Manchester City they're professional footballers that manager needs a needs a result um, I remember making this case <laughs> exactly five years ago in, tw- in 2014 um, and in that game in 2014 Everton actually gave a good account of themselves albeit they lost um, goalkeeper was crap but there was a few yeah, yeah. and it, oh, but just in, just, in, just, in, just in positional terms then their fixture at Everton is similar to our, our fixture this week against West Ham um, and you know Everton are going into it into it on a bad run. West Ham were on a bad run last night, but we're able to fashion a performance. So it's still you know City won't be looking at it as a gimme. Let's put it that way. And then whenever they go away from home for the rest of the season, that that will 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 still apply as it does to us. Um, 
Well, we all, none of us are ruling Tottenham out. They are five points behind us now. Um, they are five points behind us, and I think you do feel as though they've got to clamber over the two, Mike, before it goes to everyone else. Yeah, they've got to. I think it, right now, if you know, for instance, if if City didn't exist and Tottenham were five points behind us, we'd be talking a lot about Tottenham. Yeah, um, I and mean, I think we've we've probably dismissed them because they've lost so many games, um, but that comes from not drawing many. Um, if, if I was a Spurs fan looking at the league now, I might be looking at those five these five points that separates uh, ourselves and, and Spurs, I think. But they've got the opportunity within their own hands to come to Anfield and win and put themselves certainly, you know, sort of within touching distance of ourselves. So I think in and also the nature of the way that they've been winning recently, they're without their two key players, but I think in the last three league games they've scored in the sort of seventy ninth and eighty third minutes. Um, so they're they're hanging in there, and that's the type. Those are the type of wins that do breed confidence and belief. So they'll have talked themselves into in, into an idea that they're still in the race. They're very much the outsiders of, of the three for me. But um, but you, you can't you can't discount discount them. In some ways, I don't know. It's almost like a welcome distraction away from the whole talk about Manchester City that we can talk about somebody else. I'm at the point where I'm not even thinking about Spurs at the moment. I, I can see them there. I can see the chance they've got, but the sole focus is City. I think if they go to Everton tomorrow and win, which they're more than capable of doing, but this Everton side, as appalling as it's been since the derby, notably since the derby, since the Origi goal, which seems to have fractured something in their psyche, um, when they came to Anfield, that was the best Everton side I've seen come to Anfield since the 80s because they were a footballing side. Somewhere within them, they may still have that. They've got the experience of going to the Etihad last, last season under Koeman and holding them. They, they can do these things. I, I'm, I'm holding out that they might do something, but most notably, we're not talking about the fact that City have got Chelsea at the weekend, and that could really make a difference to them. So if City beat Everton tomorrow, they go top on goal difference with us with a game in hand. We could see them draw at Everton, lose to Chelsea, us beat Bournemouth, and all of a sudden, we're four points ahead. I'm trying to do the maths in my head. Four points ahead with a game in hand. <laughs> Th- these things can change very, very quickly. Um, Tottenham? Uh, look, obviously, you can't rule them out. They're only five points behind. I, I just cannot see in this most competitive Premier League season there's arguably ever been that a team that's lost six games already is the is the one that wins it. I know they haven't drawn yet. That's got to end at some point. Um, and you might find it's one of them weird things, like you know when uh, Bannister broke the, the four minute mile or whatever it was. That once one once they do get one draw, then they, you know they, uh, they they start getting draw after draw. Uh, it, it might Reference be one of those weird there. sort of things. I know, yeah, <laughs> just straight in with the uh, modern day references. Yeah. Um, uh, I've been listening to Cool in the game. Like, um, like, like, like like when Edison created the light bulb or <laughs> exactly, someone's yeah, someone exactly. telephone. Once Loads of telephones. <laughs> the point being, Mark once somebody's Cody. done something, <laughs> it, you know, lots of people then start to do it. So it, you might find that I, I just refuse to believe that Spurs are not going to draw a game before the end of the season. And and look, if they if they don't draw a game and they don't lose any more and six, you know, and then then they will absolutely deserve to be champions because that that's what that's what what will happen probably if they don't draw and win all of their remaining games. There's a very good chance they end up as champions. And you have to put your hands up and say, well, then they, they deserve that. But I, I just I just really would be amazed if a team that has lost six times doesn't lose again this season and manages to to overcome two teams that are better than them in reality. Okay, thank you very much indeed to Mike and Evan, to Ian Salmon and to Adam Smith. It has been the Anfield Wrap this week in association with Reds Bet. Uh, Take it easy, relax. We've all got a big job to do next Saturday, a huge job. Let's enjoy it. Sports Social Podcast Network.